Hey listeners, as many of you know, we endorse a lot of products here at Crack Rackets, and while we believe in all of them, I can personally offer a wholehearted, full-throated endorsement of our newest product, our newest partner and title sponsor here of our Great Shot Podcast, and a product I used all too often growing up as a tennis player. It's our friends over at Turna Tennis, makers of the world-famous Turna Grip. Now, Turna Grip is the only grip that gets tackier when you sweat. It's performance in hot and humid conditions unmatched by any other product in the tennis world. And of course, I'm talking about that trademark, iconic blue colored grip that you can see on the rackets of hundreds of touring pros across the world. Their mega tack grip, the tackiest grip on the market. If you would like to get yourself a pack of Turner Grip, you can find it anywhere you buy your tennis products, or you can email sales at uniquesports.com or call 800-554-3707. That's sales at uniquesports.com or 800-554-3707. Turner Grip, truly the tackiest and truly the best grip in all of tennis. Welcome to The Deciding Point, our Crack Rackets weekly rundown of the biggest storylines going on throughout the tennis world. So much tennis for us to discuss this week. Three ATP events, a WTA event in the book. Joining me to do just that, as he always does, you know him as the forefather of the forehand slice. Our Crack Rackets do everything. It's James Foster McDonald. Jamie, so much tennis in the books. How are you feeling this week? Good, uh, including that college tennis from yesterday, and uh, I appreciated the shout-out of the forehand slice pass. I was listening, I was watching, and, and you know I was enjoying it. So a lot of tennis, but a lot of fun as well. The moment I saw that shot, I was like, oh, I hope Jamie's watching because that one was right after his, for, for his heart, I should say. But yes, a thank you to any of you who joined us on our Crack Rackets Red Zone broadcast. Hopefully, you all enjoyed some college tennis. That is not what we are going to be discussing today. We're going to be breaking down last week's results, previewing this week's action, and then a very fun deciding point on one of our ATP champions from last week. With that in mind, West off, roll those starting credits. Let's get into today's show. All right, Jamie, let's start with our one WTA event, our final event of the Australian summer in Adelaide, and it was Iga Sviantek capturing her second WTA title, first on a hard court as she knocks off Belinda Bencic, 6-2-6-2 in a straight set final. Now, all of us were wondering, heading into this season, Iga Sviantek was fantastic on the clay to end 2020, but could she replicate that success on other surfaces through the first two months of the season? I think she's answered that question, and that answer is yes, Jamie. 100%. 100%. She's looked very good. And, and look, this is what happens when we see players, you know, sort of come out on the scene and have great success on clay. It's like, is it going to translate? And it's just great to see that the answer is yes here. Obviously, still so young, so much more potential. But, you know, she came up with some big wins in this. And, and the way that she got through some of these matches, just really, really impressive for the young Igor uh, Tech. Yeah, I believe she's one of now six WTA players active who have won titles on both hard courts and clay courts prior to turning 20 years old. What's crazy to think is she's 
She's got a Grand Slam title under her pocket. She's still only at a career high of number 15 in the WTA rankings with her success this week. But yeah, I mean, the athleticism translates cross-surface. And the way she hits that sliding backhand, Jamie, it's absolutely special. And she took it to Belinda Bencic in the final. I do want to say for Bencic, who didn't play that much tennis throughout 2020, never really found her rhythm post-pandemic, she put together a really nice week here, just dominated her competition early in the week, and then a really impressive three-set uh, set win over an informed Coco Goff. So I think it's actually a credit to Iga Sviantek how well she's playing that she took it to Belinda Bencic this easily. But overall, I'll continue to say the quality of play in the women's game, whether it's Jill Teichman, who I was big on at the end of last season, she made another run to the semifinals. Danielle Collins continued success. It's a different person every week, but the quality of play in the women's game, in my opinion, as high as it's ever been. All right, Jamie, let's switch gears, talk about the men now. Let's focus on the two ATP hardcourt events we had last weekend. Two very different winners emerging in Montpellier. It was David Goffin back in the winner's circle for the first time since 2017. He played a fantastic week of tennis, got better with every match, and a really fun final. He knocks off Roberto Bautista Agut to take the title. In Singapore, it was Alexi Paparin knocking off Sasha Bublik in three sets to earn his first ATP title of his career. Your thoughts on our two hardcore champions? Yeah, so look, I mean, what a great run here and a great title for David Goffin. I think the big thing is here, hopefully this just gives him some confidence moving into this year because for the last few, it's it's been pretty lacking on his side. You know, he comes up with some good results. We can see him play good tennis against the top. Uh, this is just this is just great for David Goffin. I think sort of my only concern here is him sort of playing down to the level of his opponent. But on the flip side, he plays up to that high level against somebody like a Batista Guten gets the win. So great stuff from him. And, and I just really hope that he's confident now moving through the rest of the year. Yeah, he played a bunch of three-set matches in Montpellier, and he's someone who has talked openly, David Goffin, about his struggles playing during this pandemic, struggling to find his rhythm, struggling to just feel comfortable going from event to event throughout the season. And you know, you, we all can realize what a result like this will do for him moving forward. And in particular, as you mentioned, his tennis got better throughout the week. That final against Roberto Bautista Gut, it might be the most normal thing we've seen in 2021 thus far. Those are two guys guys we expect to be playing their best tennis right now. They finally are playing their best tennis, so I absolutely agree with you. Great result for Gofen. Great result for RBA, by the way, considering we expect him to always make a deep run in Australia that he didn't do so, but followed it up here with a strong indoor hardcourt result. Great for him. The other uh, result we had on the hardcourts for Alexi Popper, and I just want to throw this player comparison at you, and I was very excited as we were getting ready for today's show. He reminds me so much of a confident Kyle Edmund. Back when Edmund was striking the big serve, striking the big forehand, looking to play forehands from every position on the court and just being very decisive with his game style. Uh, that's what it reminds me of. There's clearly athleticism and pop for Popper in that uh, offers him a pathway to be just a consistent top 75 ATP player throughout his career. I will always be fascinated by Sasha Bublik, but he just got outplayed in that final. And I think Popperin's got the goods, Jamie. He is a, he's definitely a talent. 
Yeah, I mean, look, he's very dangerous, but I think, you know, Popperin's one of those guys who when he's feeling it, he's feeling it, it's really hard to do anything against him. But, you know, a couple of things go different ways here, and he loses first round to Chris Eubanks. Yeah. Um, and, and sure, some of that is, is sort of goes to the matchup and the stylistic um, sort of element at play there. But realistically, you know, he could have been out of this in the first round, but he fights through it. He gets through some big matches, a dicey one in the semis against Marin Cilic. So now he's shown that he can play in the big moments and he doesn't get scared, even though he's, uh, you know, in a bad spots this is really really promising stuff from the young australian is it kyle edmundy yeah i mean look i I like that comparison i would say i see a little bit of difference from the baseline i feel like popper doesn't quite have the level of like consistency and shot tolerance but definitely has more on the weapon side that big frame that popper has but yeah no no I, i like that big forehands from the baseline cross court edmund's favorite Okay, Jamie, I want to quickly talk about some of the results we saw on the Challenger Tour last week because while we did see a win from Enzo Cacao, the result I want to talk about, a friend of ours here at Crack Rackets, Mackie McDonald, back in the winner's circle. He drops three games in both his semifinal and final matches. He also had a first-round win over number one seed Mikhail Kukushkin to earn another Challenger title. He works his way back into the ATP Top 125 of the rankings, and in my opinion, played the sort of tennis that he was playing prior to being injured back in 2019, the sort of tennis that got him into the top 75 of the ATP rankings. When you look at what Mackey has done to start the season, Jamie, the result at the Australian Open, he follows it up with a challenger title. Your thoughts on how he's played to start the season? Yeah, look, I mean, this is great to see from Mackie McDonald. You mentioned it. This is the level that we were seeing from him pre-injury. And and look, these are the sort of wins he needs to be getting if he's going to get back to that spot where we expect his talent and athleticism to to give him, to, to get him to, I should say. So yeah, I mean, taking someone out like Laxanen, two and one, taking out Rodionov, one and two, those are great, solid wins. Um, and, and those are the sort of wins that I, I sort of need to see from him to, to instill that sort of confidence in his game. So really good stuff. I, I love the way he wasn't afraid of the one seed in the first round match matchup at all. This is all great stuff for McKenzie, and, and obviously he's going to be playing in Nur Sultan again, so hopefully he can repeat something big. Mm-hmm. And you used the word there, I just want to quickly com- comment on confidence. Mackie McDonald's game is very much predicated on him playing confident tennis. He's a shot maker. He's someone who's going to go big down the line, try and move forward, assert himself in the match. If he has that confidence, the skill set is there, the athleticism is there. I agree. It's so great to see him healthy more than anything else, but putting forward the sort of results that we all know he's capable of. All right, Jamie, let's preview the week ahead now for all of our fans. Two WTA events, two ATP events, three challengers, so much tennis for all of us to enjoy. What are the things you're going to be watching most closely? I think Rotterdam is number one on the list. I think there are just so many great matches, you know, and matchups right early in this tournament. I mean, just right off the bat, if you uh, if you wake up early, I mean, look, you've got Rublev Giron, which is really interesting. You've got Vavrinka Hatchinov. You've got Damon Auer Millman. You just, there's so many great matches right at the beginning of this tournament. So I, I think that's number one on the list for me. Yeah, you know, I actually am going to be fortunate enough to have press privileges this week in Doha for the women, so this is why we're such a good duo. I'll be focused on that. You can focus on the men. We'll come together on our mini-break podcast. I think in Doha this week, you have 
pretty much everyone but Osaka and Barbie. So it's like, you know, we are constantly trying to figure out who's the best of the rest. It's pretty clear Naomi Osaka has established herself as the best player on a hard court in the women's game, but there are a lot of other really good ones, and we should have a pretty early in the event Garbine Muguruza Arena Sabalenka showdown that is certain uh, to get, it produce some fireworks. So that's what I'm going to be watching closely as well. But then you sort of mentioned it. Can Mackie follow up his success in Nur Sultan? Whatever's going on on the clay courts down in South America, let's try and sort that out as well. Overall, should just be a really fun week of tennis. 100%. And, and the other thing is I will watch some of the action in Doha as well. I will say the one that I'm going to be watching, and I know you will too, Keys and Benchich right oh, off yeah. the bat. Um, that That's going to be a fun one. And that's really going to be a nice, as you would say, litmus test to see uh, where, where Belinda Benchich is at with her game. All right, Jamie, we've arrived at this week's deciding point, and some of our listeners may have noticed we only discussed two of the ATP events this week thus far. We have not discussed the third. We saved that for now because on the clay in Cordoba last week, we had what is, in my opinion, our most fascinating result of this 2021 season thus far. Juan Manuel Serendolo, the qualifier out of Argentina in his first ATP main draw action wins the event in Cordoba. He becomes the first first time tour champion in your first event played since Santi Ventura back in 2004. He's the only Argentine in the open era to win a tour level event in his tour level debut. And I mean, just watching him throughout the week, the three set victories he had, Jamie, I am fascinated by the young Argentine. Curious what you thought of his performance. I mean, look, the, it, it's gutsy. It's gritty. We love this sort of clay court tennis. Um, you know, this is one where it, this is where you start throwing the huge question marks up um, on what happens if you put them on a faster court and a different surface. Uh, but for now, let's just enjoy it for what it is. And and he, he can go out there. He can grind. Um, he does not sort of shy away from that bigger moment. If he's down in a match, uh, he just keeps he puts his head down and goes to work. So it's been a ton of fun to watch. He might not have the biggest weapons, uh, but man, the way he fights and competes is, is a ton of fun to spend. That big forehand loop, Jamie, it goes all the way above his head. It is captivating to watch. And yeah, that second serve is a sitting duck. And we say it all the time here on The Deciding Point. He's probably the Sarah Ronnie Award winner this week for best second serves. I mean, just they float. And yet it works. He moves so well. Such good feel around the court. He throws up these forehand moon balls. Again, we'll go full circle. Remind me of you, Jamie. I'm like, this is the Jamie McDonald of the Pro Tour. It just kind of works. And he's only 19 years old as well. He's up to 181 in the pro rankings with his result. He might catch his older brother, Francisco, if Francisco's not careful. But I agree with you. I need to see it on a faster surface. That being said, impossible to look at Serendolo and not be impressed by his week. Look, absolutely. For, you know, especially for him making his debut like this at 19 years old. I mean, look, he's got to be having a ton of fun. And the way he went out there and just won these matches, even though, you know, the momentum completely swung the other way in the final, especially, you know, he got right back on it and uh, and just completely ran it out. So really impressive stuff from him and excited to see what he can do on a clay court. And then if uh, if it can translate over time.
Absolutely, and we will have the chance to watch him again this weekend, of course, if he produces another result like this. He will probably be our deciding point next week as well, and with that in mind, that will do it for this week's show. As always, we are so thankful for all of you who tune in as well, as thankful for our super producer, Daniel Westhoff, who puts all this together. Remember, if you have missed anything from the past week in tennis, you can catch up on it all on our website, crackrackets.com. But with that in mind, for my wonderful co-host, James Foster McDonald, our super producer, Daniel Westhoff, and all of us here at Crack Brackets, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You've been watching another edition of The Deciding Point. We'll see you all next week. Thanks, everyone.